Chapter 18 of Studies in Stagecraft. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Studies in Stagecraft by Clayton Hamilton. Chapter 18 Rhythm and Tempo. There is one phase of the dramatic art which has rarely been discussed by critics and is scarcely ever noticed by the average theatre-goer. Everybody knows that the drama is both a visual and an auditory art, that by virtue of its appeal to the eye it offers many analogies to the art of painting, and that by virtue of its appeal to the ear through its use of spoken words it exhibits innumerable analogies to the art of literature. But comparatively few people have ever paused to realize that the drama is also a temporal art, owing much of its appeal to its manner of punctuating passages of time, and that by virtue of this fact it discloses an analogy to the art of music. The merit of any dramatic scenes is resident in the sheer rhythm of their presentation, and the deft manipulation of this rhythm in the tempo of the acting. The appeal of rhythm to the human sensibilities is the very basis of the arts of poetry and music. The periodical repetition of certain beats, unassisted by any more intelligible method of expression, may stimulate the listener to an eager apprehension of emotion. To prove this, it is only necessary to cite, for the purpose of experiment, two very well-known lines of poetry. The first line is, When the hounds of spring are on winter's traces, and the other line is, The long day wanes, the slow moon climbs, the deep. In each of these citations, I have purposely quoted only a single line, leaving the sense unfinished. For the experiment I am about to propose deals only with the rhythm of the lines and has no reference to their intelligible content. Let me now ask the reader to repeat the first line to himself a hundred times, and after an appreciable interval, to submit himself to a similar insistence from the second line. If his mind have any ear at all, the first experiment will induce a noticeable quickening of his pulses, and the second experiment will retard his pulse beats to a less than normal tempo. In the first case, his mind will be keyed up to the apprehension of dashing and alert emotions, and in the second, it will be attuned to the reception of emotions that are somnolent and solemn. The psychology of this experiment sits very near the center of the art of writing, but it may perhaps be illustrated more emphatically by the art of music. Every musical composer indicates not only the notes he wishes to be played, but also the tempo in which he wants them to be rendered knowing that the emotional message of his phrases may be altered utterly by a faulty retarding or acceleration of the rhythm that he has imagined. A familiar experiment is to play Nearer My God to Thee in ragtime, 
and thus to rob the melody of all its sombre connotation the opening bars of the moonlight sonata may be made ridiculous by playing them very rapidly and anitra's dance may be robbed of all its gaiety by playing it very slowly and these changes of appeal may be effected without the alteration of a single note the acted drama since it is doomed to present a pattern of details and time is subject to the same psychologic law which haunts these other temporal arts of poetry and music certain scenes can be properly effective only if they are played in very rapid tempo and certain other passages can easily be ruined by an ill-advised acceleration of the acting the consideration of this fact results in certain rules which must be followed by the playwright and the stage director the true artist in either of these crafts senses these rules intuitively and abides by them subconsciously and it is only when the rules of rhythm are violated that the observer becomes at all aware of the reality of their subsistence a dramatic passage often requires a series of very subtle modulations in the rhythm of its presentation and if it be enacted crudely with invariable tempo the observer will receive an impression of indefinite distress like that which comes of hearing a neapolitan song played solely with the feet upon a pianola only the most obvious rules of rhythm for the drama may be set down in uncompromising print like the axioms of euclid for instance it is obvious that most melodramas should be played very rapidly in order to stimulate excitement and also to rob the audience of any opportunity to question the plausibility of the situations and it is equally obvious upon the other hand that most tragic scenes should be enacted slowly in order to give the audience time to accumulate a sense of the imminence of doom before the fatal lines are spoken the majority of farces demand a very rapid rendering and the acceleration of the acting needs to be increased in proportion as the farcical material treads closer on the heels of the ridiculous but a comedy that depends for its effect on the subtle revelation of character through humorous dialogue must usually be played with frequent pauses in order to give the audience time to develop thoughtful laughter such elementary principles as these may be formulated and set down as axioms but just as poetry and music attain their best effects by subtle variations in rhythm and modulations of tempo so also the finest effects in the theatre are not infrequently achieved by momentary modifications of an expected time scheme in the acting for the manipulation of such effects as these the stage director is finally responsible this functionary has often been compared with the leader of an orchestra he establishes the tempo in which a composition shall be rendered and may often make or mar it by the mere direction of its rhythm but the dominance of the stage director does not relieve the playwright of responsibility in this regard an orchestral composer who should hand a score to his conductor without any indication of the tempo of his leading passages would be deemed an inefficient artist 
and any playwright who plans an act without establishing its rhythm in advance sets himself similarly in the class of incomplete composers in the plotting of his business and in the writing of his lines he should make it easy for his stage director to arrange the rapidity or sluggishness of rhythm that is required to reinforce the emotional content of his scene to ask his actors to sit still at a moment when the action should be hurried to require them to speak in anapests while they are listening in fear to the tardy ticking of a clock these are errors which impose upon the stage director a task which is unfortunately difficult this matter should be studied very carefully by all aspirants to the art of dramaturgy a simple exercise may be suggested for the benefit of readers who desire ultimately to write plays or to direct them let them take a scene from hamlet and another from the thunderbolt and ask themselves precisely how rapidly or slowly those passages should be played in order to achieve their best effect upon the stage let them if necessary experiment with a metronome until they get the rhythm right subsequently in attending the performances of successful current plays these studious spectators will be better enabled to appreciate to what a great extent their appeal has been enhanced by a deft manipulation of the rhythm of their presentation. End of section 18. Read by The Story Girl.